Welcome to the Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Tudor, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. My aim is to help everyday people understand science, not the science, and to use that understanding to make better choices for their health and well-being. Each episode, I'll be bringing my latest Substack post to you in audio form. For the full visual experience, including graphs, charts, images, and videos, view the accompanying post in my Empowered Substack. And now, let's dive in. The COVID-19 vaccine treadmill. So you've had your two shots of COVID-19 vaccine, you've got your vaccine passport, and you're ready for your life to go back to normal. The old normal, that is, where you get to go to the pub with your mates, fly into state to see your rallies for Christmas, and send your kids back to school, not the pathological new normal. You poor deluded soul. You are now on the COVID jab treadmill, and good luck getting off it. The Kirby Institute at the University of New South Wales, which, as a matter of complete coincidence, has received lots of lovely grant money from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, has warned the New South Wales government that unless it can get a third booster dose of COVID jabs into the arms of its adult population, as well as jabbing 80% of children aged 5 to 11 by early 2022, and continuing to aggressively trace contacts of so-called cases of COVID-19, most of whom never develop any symptoms, the state, quote, may face code black conditions in February 2022, unquote. Code black, for those not in the know, is when intensive care unit or ICU capacity is exceeded. Hmm, that sounds like a slight change in messaging, does it not? It seems like just weeks ago that the politicians and corruptocrats were promising Australians that all they had to do to, quote, end the pandemic, unquote, and, quote, win back their freedoms, unquote, because it's not like you have any inherent rights as a human being, is it, was to take their two shots. And what is the Kirby Institute's dire prediction of code black catastrophe based on? Modelling. What's modelling, you may be wondering? The good folk at the Kirby Institute are glad you asked and most keen to educate you on what a truly fabulous thing it is. Quote, modelling is a science used to predict future outcomes under various conditions. Infectious disease modelling is a long-established science that is helpful for informing policy decisions in public health. Unquote. And that is taken from the Kirby Institute's publication, Modelling Updated New South Wales Roadmap for the Delta Epidemic 2021-2022. Except that modelling has been consistently, comprehensibly, laughably wrong throughout the entire COVID-19 pandemic and well before that, as John Unidis and co-authors point out in an article titled Forecasting for COVID-19 Has Failed. Here's a quote from that article. Epidemic forecasting has a dubious track record record and its failures became more prominent with COVID-19. Poor data input, wrong modelling assumptions, high sensitivity of estimates, lack of incorporation of epidemiological features, poor past evidence on effects of available interventions, lack of transparency, errors, lack of determinacy, consideration of only one or a few dimensions of the problem at hand, lack of expertise in crucial disciplines, groupthink and bad wagon effects, and selective reporting are some of the causes of these failures. Failure in epidemic forecasting is an old problem. In fact, it is surprising that epidemic forecasting has retained much credibility among decision makers given its dubious track record. And it's well worth reading that entire article, which I have a link for in my Substack post. But to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and the Kirby Institute are determined to keep battering the people of New South Wales and anyone else who will listen with their giant modelling sledgehammer. Except they admit that they left something out of their model. Nothing important, mind you, 
You really don't need to know about it, I'm sure. But if you insist, they'll tell you, quote, We did not model waning of vaccine-induced immunity, which will begin to show effects by February 2022 and coincide with the epidemic peak, unquote. Wait, what? That seems to be a rather significant omission to me. I wonder why they left waning immunity that would coincide with the epidemic peak out of their model. Perhaps they've read this study titled Effectiveness of COVID-19 Vaccination Against Risk of Symptomatic Infection, Hospitalization and Death Up to Nine Months, a Swedish Total Population Cohort Study, which I've linked to in my substack. And this study used actual data. What a concept. Instead of tendentious modeling to chart the effects of COVID-19 vaccines on the risk of developing the disease. The study tracked over 1.6 million Swedes, comprising 842,974 pairs of individuals, one of whom had received either the Pfizer, Moderna or AstraZeneca COVID-19 jab, while the other matched for age and sex had not. Participants were followed up from the 12th of January to the 4th of October 2021. Two outcomes were studied, the occurrence of symptomatic infection, which could be as mild as common cold type symptoms, and the occurrence of severe COVID-19 disease and death. For prevention of symptomatic infection, quote, effectiveness peaked at day 15 to 30, that effectiveness was 92%, and declined marginally at day 31 to 60, down to 89%. From there on, the waning became more pronounced, and from day 211 onwards, there was no remaining detectable effectiveness, and the effectiveness dropped to 23%. In other words, the jabs were very good at preventing infection for about two months, but after seven months, they didn't offer any protection at all. For those at highest risk of getting seriously ill, people aged over 80, protection against infection waned even faster. Quote, at days 61 to 120, effectiveness declined to 50% among individuals aged 80 years or over, unquote. The jabs were also dramatically less effective in men who suffer higher rates of serious illness and death from COVID-19 than in women, falling to 17% effectiveness from day 181, while women retained 34% effectiveness. Effectiveness varied between the three different jabs. The Moderna shot was the best performing out of the three, retaining 59% effectiveness after 180 days of follow-up. The Pfizer jab declined to 47% effectiveness at day 121 to 180 and zero effectiveness from day 211 and onwards. The AstraZeneca jab proved to be a total lemon, increasing the risk of symptomatic infection by 19% from day 121 and onwards. For prevention of hospitalization and death, vaccine effectiveness for any vaccine was 89% at day 15 to 30, falling to 74% by day 121 to 180, with no detectable effectiveness from day 181 onwards. And in my Substack post, I have a chart where you can actually see how that waning effectiveness looks. The first chart shows prevention of symptomatic infection, and when you have a look at this chart, notice how the black line drops below zero at 240 days, which is about eight months, indicating an increased risk of infection, and it continues to slope downward, suggesting that the increased risk of infection will get worse over time. And the second chart shows the graph for prevention of serious illness and death, and again, notice how the black line is heading downwards towards zero effectiveness by around day 250. 
While the authors of the study used their findings to press for booster shots, that's not working out so well for the countries that have already pressed a third or even fourth dose on their beleaguered populations. Israel and Gibraltar both suffered spikes in infections and deaths soon after they began rolling out booster shots. And oddly enough, the peaks in new cases in each age group occurred in the exact order in which boosters were administered. And you can see the chart of how that looked in Gibraltar in my Substack post. Do you understand now, the vaccines have not, will not, and cannot end the pandemic. They are, for all intents and purposes, useless. And I really encourage you to watch the video that I've embedded in my Substack post. It's an interview that Steve Kirsch did with Matthew Crawford, and it's well worth the hour and a half of your time. In two months' time, those of you who are fully vaccinated will lose your vaccine passports and the so-called freedoms they grant you unless you take your booster shot. The COVID-19 vaccine treadmill is going to keep running endlessly until you choose to get off it. And the only way this nightmare ends is when we, all of us, make it stop by refusing to cooperate with any of the nonsensical biosecurity theatre, lockdowns, masking, PCR tests, QR codes, contact tracing, experimental injections, medical apartheid and vaccine passports that has spectacularly, comprehensively failed to stop the spread and end the pandemic. Hit it, Blind Joe. Take me to task Cause I don't want to wear a mask Or take a vaccine that could maybe make me die They got no scientific evidence To back that crap up All they do is feed us lie after lie That's why I will not comply no Since back last March I've had an achy, breaky heart Like old Billy Ray Cyrus I've been catching a case of the blues from the this damn coronavirus Now they're telling us we gotta keep our chin divers up Even if we got the shot in the arm But nobody's talking about exercise Or eating food that's fresh grown from the farm That's why I will not comply Quit trying to take me to task Cause I don't wanna wear a mask Or take a vaccine that could maybe make me die They got no scientific evidence To back that crap up All they do is feed us lie after lie That's why I will not comply
for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials and make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.